0: The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by Beeline. Visit findyoursippingpoint.com, by Michter's American Whiskies, and by 291 Colorado Whiskey.
1: Welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. I'm Fred. Let's get to it. This show is brought to you by the Beeline, a Northern Kentucky bourbon experience—a mashup of five Kentucky bourbon trail craft distilleries, six unique bourbon bars, and five bourbon-focused restaurants across from Cincinnati in the edge of bourbon country. Learn more at findyoursippingpoint.com. That's findyoursippingpoint.com. Look, I know we're all isolated right now. We're have we're having to practice that social distancing. But eventually, this is all going to let out, and we're going to go sip some bourbon there in the Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area. Go to findyoursippingpoint.com. This week's episode is like finding the most talented person who influences music but never got any credit. I feel like songwriters are those people. You know, songwriters are the people who... You know, put so much blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of thought, and and they know how to pair their words with the right musician, and they don't really get enough credit, in my opinion. You know, they're not the big stars that everyone talks about. Well, today's guest has got a has an album uh, launching at the same time as this podcast coming out, and so she's she's making um, a run for it. you know, coming back in her her. Um, you know, with her own album after years of songwriting. And she's still writing songs, don't get me wrong. I mean, she is like a hit maker. She's written songs for Miley Cyrus, Blake Shelton. You know, she's one of the most sought-after sought after songwriters in all of Nashville. And I'm talking about Jesse Alexander. And Jesse, being a, a kind of a really renowned songwriter, influenced the, the trivia question for this week. And that is, what major country singer-songwriter just launched a whiskey? That's right. Someone just launched a whiskey. But I hope you enjoy this episode. Jesse is an absolute lady. She's a fantastic interview, and we drink a little bit of whiskey. Enjoy. But first, a word from our sponsors.
0: Imagine this, an experience
2: centered around five Kentucky Bourbon Trail craft tour distilleries in northern Kentucky, the gateway to Kentucky Bourbon. Add five amazing bourbon-centric bars and five delicious bourbon-focused restaurants, cultivating the freshest takes and culinary delights, and you are on the beeline. Start your trip today at findyoursippingpoint.com. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single-barrel whiskey as we do, Each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller, Dan McKee, and our master of maturation, Andrea Wilson, say it's just right. Mictor's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Mictor's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Mictor's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey.
1: Joined by an incredible talent, Jesse Alexander. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. And you're a you're a big uh, you're a big bourbon fan, or a big
3: spirits fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of all spirits. Well, not all, but most, especially the dark
1: ones like these. What do you What do you normally drink?
3: Well, I'm I'm obviously you know as a woman, most of us, especially moms, we like red wine, so it's that's that's where it starts. And then it trickles down into being a Tennessee girl, you know, whiskeys and bourbons and, you know, so I, my husband drinks scotch. I have a little bit of a problem with that. It's a little harsh for me, but... Scotch is harsh for you? Yeah, it's a little, so much. Okay. But um, it could be, I like to keep it in the Kentucky, Tennessee area.
1: Yeah, okay. Area. Well, you know, you're keeping the taxes within within <laughs> yes. the, within where you And I drive. like to
3: take care of my people, you know, pay Right in. on,
1: yeah. Well, you know, when you do... Uh, when you do actually buy Kentucky or Tennessee whiskey, you, you really are helping pave the roads and schools for exactly. your respective areas. So keep drinking. So these help the children of Kentucky. <laughs> help,
3: help the kids. I That's love right. it. Drink for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And it's great for a songwriter.
1: Well, and you you uh, sing or you write a lot about booze. I do. I have
3: spent a whole career writing songs about drinking for sure and um, thank god I write country music you know
1: so it's like country music either you're writing about a truck or a tractor or yep. booze booze exactly is that like the formula
3: it, it really is um, it all kind of revolves around alcohol or a bar stool mm-hmm. I grew up on traditional country music so those you know those iconic songs you know mm-hmm. Hank Williams or um, you know on into Waylon Jennings Johnny Cash We could you know so many but um I can re- remember being a really little kid and singing about Tennessee whiskey or, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Set 'em Up Joe and all these things. You just, I didn't even know what I was singing about, but um, obviously found out pretty, pretty fast.
1: So you have uh, an amazing career. Like you're like, uh, you're a pretty iconic songwriter. Thank you. So you've written with some pretty big names. Now, my audience typically, you know Knows whiskey But they're gonna know Some of the names I'm about to drop here uh, Miley Cyrus yes. Blake Shelton mm-hmm. uh, Those are I mean Those are like A-listers You yeah. know Not a lot of people Can say they got the right songs For people like that
3: It's been Truly an honor And a long journey Of songwriting It It actually started Pretty rocky um, When I first moved here People said Oh it's gonna be A ten year town Just get ready And I remember thinking Ten years My goodness uh, but man, I I can tell you literally it was ten years to the month when I had my first number one, and those ten years were grueling. You know, they were yeah. There were a lot of hard knocks and stumbling blocks along the way, but um, it made the climb, which was my first number one, obviously, even more amazing.
1: And what was it like working with with Miley?
3: Miley's awesome. She, now you got to remember she was fifteen at the time, so. <laughs> It's crazy to think that that was 10 years ago. But she, I just remember I got to be on the set with her here in Tennessee. The the Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana, the movie. And so they came to film it here. And um, I would be on the set. I actually taught her how to play guitar on the song and just spent a little bit of time with her. And I was just so impressed with having not I didn't have kids at the time but just watching how a 15 year old could mm-hmm. manage so many things you know the dance choreographer would come up and give her feedback and she'd act like she wasn't even listening and she'd be like yeah I got it and then the director would come in yeah I need you to land here when you she, yeah I got it and everyone needed something and then they'd say action and she would crush it like literally do everything everybody wanted and more Wow, she's truly, I don't think people realize the force of talent. Um, you know, we hear her as a singer and a songwriter, but you know her acting ability, her dancing ability, just her entertainment in general. So that was so my take. her
1: her uh, her cousin for a while was my neighbor. And she would you know, they're from Kentucky and um, and they came they they were in town for they had a show. And I can't, I'm pretty sure it was when she was coming out with like her first album. And I'll never forget like walking through the neighborhood with my dog and all these like teenage girls hiding in bushes and stuff. And they would, they would come out and they'd be like, do do you know when she's coming? Do you know when Miley's coming? And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what the
3: hell? Like, oh, I know. I remember when they called me just telling me that it's gonna be in Hannah Montana maybe I didn't even know really what that was, who that was. I didn't have kids, I didn't watch the Disney Channel. I And I didn't know the impact, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. I knew Billy Ray, Cyrus obviously, being a, a Nashville songwriter. So, But no one could have prepared me for what it became and it was right here actually at Bridgestone Arena just to give you a glimpse of who she is when people wonder what she's really like. Um, so this is at the height of the climb. Like it was probably had already gone number one. and Everyone knew it. And she invited me to her show and uh, made sure she knew where I was standing. And right when it came time to do the last chorus at the climb, she looked at the band and shut them down and she made 22,000 people sing it to me. Wow. And it was truly like, you know, no, you know, artists don't, don't have to do that. I have a lot of artists and different people have recorded my songs, but she knew what, how that would make me feel and she just looked at me like see what you did like this is your song not mine and that's you know songwriters were kind of put in the back you know and the the spotlight we openly give to to the artist but man just for a moment to have that um was life-changing wow and to to see the power i'll never forget writing you know those words for me were like self-help therapy you know it was all just a bunch of, I can almost see it, that dream I'm dreaming. I was just writing about my own career and my own struggles. But to look ar- at a, around and see these little girls and their moms and all these ages singing my words and mm-hmm. having tears rolling down their eyes because of what it meant to them, it was kind of the first time it hit me, like the power of being a songwriter.
1: You know, the the song you wrote um, about the Iraq, the, the veteran, mm-hmm. that Garry really... Jack that really that really touched me uh and sometimes it's you know I tend to avoid those things because I don't want to have to always go down that path of Of like you know down that road again but that one made me feel comfort you know
3: thank you that's another ultimate compliment um that song was a journey as well and that that
1: did really well That song,
3: It it did, one song of the year for ACM and CMAs, which for a songwriter, you know, that's kind of the, the pinnacle and, uh, but more than anything, it, it kind of exposed, I feel like a a shined a light on the gold star families and, um, people that were struggling with the grief of someone not coming home. And what are you going to do with that? You know, you finding the shrine almost in this guy's truck. And uh, we actually got the idea from an NPR special where a father was talking about his son um, who he had lost in Afghanistan. And the interviewer said, so what are you going to do today on your son on Memorial Day? And he said, I don't know what else to do, but just drive his truck. So we, you know, of course, embellished uh, using all of our own. I lost my mom when I was young. So we all had kind of had our own stories. But it, it was so rewarding to actually find the guy, Paul Monty. And his son, Jared Monty, who was awarded the Medal of Honor, and get to hear mm-hmm. more of the story. It's just been truly an honor.
1: Now, there are different trucks, different uh, Gold Star families, but my battle buddy in Iraq, uh, his name was uh, Staff Sergeant Brian Jopek. His son, when we were coming home, his son was going to um, Iraq as we were coming home. Whoa. And he got killed in, um, in the last uh, couple weeks he was there. And he had a truck, mm. yeah. And wow. and and he's uh, Brian's preserved the truck. It's a classic truck, and he enters it in uh, car shows everywhere. And and it's and it's something that you know people people will never ever understand what it's like to lose a child in in war unless it's happened and I hope to God no one ever listening to this has to deal with that but but losing a child is in itself got to be the most difficult thing in the world for sure you know
3: and we actually flew I'm um, a part of a movie coming out called it all begins with a song but in the it's a documentary about songwriting and it, kind of the pinnacle of the, the movie is where they fly me and my co-writer to Boston to surprise Paul Monty, who doesn't know we're coming and we get to drive the truck and I get to go in Jared's room and, um, you know, see his gold star, see his, his combat boots were there. His, I put on his baseball glove. It was just like so surreal. And we actually found out through this that we wrote the song on the day he died. And, uh, so he actually played the climb at his funeral years before because he died wow. on a mountain. So, um, uh, yet again, another time in my career where it's like, wow, this is so much bigger than me. Um, I'm a vehicle for these stories for this mm-hmm. emotion mm-hmm. and, um, I'm just blessed and honored. I get to do it.
1: Do you get to like, cause you, you've come to a point in your career where you can like pick and choose who you work with. Do you, is that how it works? like, you know, you get a, you get, all the artists like line up in the room, and you're like, I want you, get out of here, come work with me. How does that work? How do you choose the artists?
3: I choose it a lot like I choose my my bourbon that I that I'm looking at. <laughs> I, I wish She's y'all...
1: like, Stop asking me
3: about no, music. I would I just, agree. <laughs> no, I just think that it's me and you have a lot in common because you have things you like, you know. Sure. You ask me, you know, what kind of things I like. So yes, to to answer your question, I tend to go with my gut and what I'm drawn to, you know, do I there's definitely artists that I'll miss by doing that. And I have, I have missed, I don't want to say on air, some of the huge artists that I said no to, um, just because I didn't feel it. And I was like, you know what? I'm willing to take that chance. There might be a huge star, but I don't feel like I can contribute. That's kind of how I gauge it. Do I feel like I, I'm very blue collar thinker. I'm like, I have a tool belt. Do I feel like I have a tool that can help build their, Mm -hmm. their house? And Mm -hmm. if I don't, then I'm, I'm kind of out, but I will miss a lot of great stuff that way and it's just you just take the
1: shots. All right, so Blake Shelton, I don't think there are any names bigger than him right now in in music, not just country music, but music in general. He's enormous. How did that relationship come come to be? Did you choose him? Did he choose you?
3: <laughs> That's so great. Um we we've, we we've like chosen each other. We've um, been through so much together you know you got to remember a lot of these artists and i we all came up together people like Dirk Spentley. i was at his first showcase you know mm-hmm. blake shelton miranda lambert um little big town all those people i was signed with in my first publishing deal and we all had nothing going so blake was one of those people um i was friends with him and miranda um just kind of my husband actually knew miranda's dad from they were both police officers so it was just kind of a family you know. Affair until then. Obviously, he started to record some of my songs. I went through a phase, and still kind of in a phase where I just wanted to write songs for men. I tend to think uh, wait, more. Wait,
1: what? What does that mean? I want to write so, songs for men.
3: Okay, yeah, you're looking at me going like I, girl, I like I'm this girl. I'm, she's yeah. I'm
1: pos- no, it's not this. That has nothing to do with the fact that you're a man or woman. It's like I'm, okay. fa- I'm fascinated, fascinated with like you're. Yeah, people fail all the time about targeting a a gender and you've been able to successfully do it. Like how, what, what, let's, let's
3: let's dissect that. Um, I don't know, but for whatever reason, when I write songs, even the climb, people will be shocked to know I wrote that song from a guy's point of view. I don't know what that says about me. Um, it's very bizarre. I I like male energy. I like male thought process. I feel like I can connect with the way y'all think sometimes more than a woman. And I don't, I, I know that's weird. I trust me. I've tried to figure this out when I'm sitting with two guys, I feel like I can help them easier.
1: Is it because we're more simple minded or more like, you know,
3: I like to, I like, I like to add something to your simplicity maybe.
1: Okay. Yeah. We, we are very much, uh, hungry, eat, you know, drink, yeah. you know, we, yeah. the, sometimes we're not that complex. <laughs> we're, we're pretty basic in a lot of ways. And
3: I feel like men, you know, growing up listening to country music and the songs that I, men just got away with a lot of stuff too. They get to say a lot. They can be more risque. I write songs that are pretty risque. I mean, you know, I Blake, me and Blake have had two songs on the radio. One said Makeup Sex and one said Prick in it. So they can get away with a lot. And I like to push a lot of boundaries not to say women can't i mean loretta lynn got i mean gosh she was the queen of honest songwriting and raw kind of storytelling but um yeah blake and i our first hit together was called drink on it mm-hmm. but, and um from that point on it, we it was just an exchange of every time i would write a song i would just think about blake you know what would, would he say that and I would send it to them, and we just have had a great connection. We've actually written songs together, which is really cool. We just wrote something for Angry Birds, the movie. Um, oh wow! So uh, we have two or three, or? Uh I wrote the first one with Blake Shelton, Angry Birds One, and then Angry okay. Birds Two. I just had out with Luke Combs. Okay, so I guess I'm the Angry Birds girl. Go-to.
1: So all right, so uh, there's a lot of name dropping there. What's a, what's a new Sorry. what's a new name that uh, that you've discovered? That you wrote some some music for?
3: New artists.
1: Yeah, a new artists you like that you maybe did some work yeah, with. Yeah,
3: um, I think he's going to be at your festival. Riley Green is an oh, incredible, yeah. really, really incredible songwriter, mm-hmm. singer, uh, hunter. Um, he's a, just a great guy, and he's someone that I really kind of was early on people are sending me YouTube videos of him and I was just really drawn in I like mm-hmm. southern rock southern music attend I, okay. I grew up on a lot of that kind of stuff so um, he has you know songs that kind of cover that ground he's one um I mean gosh there are so many this Travis Denning is a, a new artist that uh that's coming out that's incredible uh, Parker McCollum's from Texas he's a great there's yeah it's endless
1: well before we get... Into the the bourbon side, which I know you're itching. Yeah,
3: look at me. I'm just. Like, I,
1: I know you, you really sense, want to get into this. this. Like you, you're you're jumping out. So not that you haven't uh, been a singer all, the whole time, but you're really coming out very strongly right now as, as a singer. I've listened to your stuff. You sound beautiful. I love your voice. What's the difference from? why are you coming out so hard on like a record now versus being more in the back yeah. on the, as a songwriter? That is such a good question. Um, thank
3: you for asking. Cause it, it, it is bizarre. Like a year ago, I could not imagine that I'm even sitting here talking about my record. Um, you have to re remember that for me in Nashville songwriting, it's a pretty d- nine to five, you know, 10 to five day. I mean, we write every day or I do, right here on music row and every day what's on my brain is how am I gonna get Blake Shelton's next single how am I gonna get on Tim McGraw's new record how am I gonna because I got to pay the bills you know it's very much a I think people think as songwriters we're just sitting around smoking weed and like jamming on our guitars and and that can happen too Um, I've written some songs late at night like that but typically in Nashville music row it is kind of a, a grind so what happened was um, a couple songs. I, the first song that came out was a song called I Should Probably Go Now that was kind of this late night drinking, cheating song that I almost didn't finish um, because it was a female song and I don't write female songs. So I was like, I actually tried to maybe pitch it to a couple female artists, but every time I would go to do that, I thought, oh, there's something. I just yeah felt like it was mine. Mm-hmm. So I wrote that one and then I wrote the title track called decatur county red which is a song about where i'm from and i started to visualize like a concept record and uh i cut the first stuff and it just was magic and there's some for some reason i just couldn't shut my laptop on those songs and just put them in my little database of songs it just felt like this needs to be heard and I still didn't think anything about it until I started playing those songs live. I played Mama Drank which is the the first song that came yeah. out. I played and it.
1: Mama's about to drink again. And Mama's
3: about drank. drink. I played play Mama Drank and just kinda was like oh shucks you know I got a new song. because People are used to hearing me sing my, the songs I've had recorded by other people. Yeah. But I played Mama Drank and it, I'll never forget it was um, for a fundraiser in Austin and the place literally erupted when I sang the first, like, got to the first hook of the song on their feet to a point where, I mean, I've had, you know, wonderful applause and things, but it was kind of a crazy feeling. And then I had just so many people come to me like, you have to put this out, you have, and I still was thinking, oh, aren't y'all sweet. Mm. But um, just, I feel like this record just needed to come out. So I know it's a long answer to your question, but it really, it,
1: only you can it, sing it.
3: It's complex, you know, and yeah. I don't I don't really know why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it for pride or ego or even money and fame. Uh, for me, this is just making music.
1: It's passion. And
3: passion and and doing some hopefully hopefully leaving something for
1: my kids, a statement. I love that. That's a that's such a beautiful answer. Well, now it's time for uh <laughs> For me to do a little songwriting or pear pair writing or however you want to put it, uh, I'm going to ask you a series of questions that's going to help me nail down your palate that uh, so that I can pair for your palate the very perfect bourbon that I have or whiskey that I have up here because I have more than just bourbons up here. Um, what is your favorite food? Popcorn. We got popcorn. That's your favorite food. It was that's between fantastic. that or white
3: beans and cornbread.
1: Yeah, uh, sorry,
3: it's it, it was that's the, what, these are. Those are the two solid answers. Those were it's either wow. one of those. Now, do
1: you like butter on your popcorn? You like a sweet popcorn? You like I don't salting? like
3: sweet. It's got to be salty. But it could be okay. white cheddar. It could be dill. It could be nacho. It could be. God, I'm Just getting, not sweet.
1: I'm getting like really hungry right now. <laughs> pop, like I, I, I want to go like... Popcorn's so,
3: like the perfect food.
1: It's great food. To me, it, it resonates with me because I go to the movies a lot with my six-year-old boy yes. and we always get a bag of popcorn. Have to have it. And it's like, it's a father-son time. So like a bag of popcorn. I eat
3: popcorn every day almost.
1: Wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah, it goes to so show you that I'm gonna go, I'm gonna getting go rid with, of carbs is not a good I'm
3: gonna idea. I'm going to go with popcorn. No, I, I okay. love carbs. I'm full okay so
1: you're more in the savory camp Definitely. you like savories over sweets okay um uh i gotta tell you that like, you've never
3: heard popcorn
1: well the thing is is like what i did here is i i grabbed some some products here that i thought would based oh this one actually okay uh so i need to ask make sure that there's a couple notes in this one that i think i gotta like qualify with see if you like them do you uh do you like nutmeg, like pumpkin pies? Sure. Like fried pies? You like fried fried things?
3: Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, not light. Like, it wouldn't be necessarily my favorite. This
1: does have this has this has a popcorn note in it actually, but it's <laughs> so this is um This is old Fitz bottle and bun. By the way, this glass has uh has a logo on it there. It's a C four pound foundation. That's a foundation uh for a fallen navy seal. Oh, wow. That uh, I do some charity work for, but they do they do a lot of uh, Charles Humphrey Keating was like this, uh, bril- like he was uh, like the Avenger of the Navy SEALs. He was brilliant.
3: That's awesome. I mean,
1: it, uh, he had passed away and they've got a, a, a foundation in his honor.
3: Can we cheers to him?
1: Yeah, absolutely. To Charles. Cheers. To Charles. So... Um, I didn't get a chance to do like a tasting tutorial with you beforehand. So when you, when you smell it, you smell it with your mouth open. By okay. smelling with your mouth open, you're not just beating your nose up with, uh, with the alcohol fumes. And then, um, you should pick up, uh, like the various, you know, aromas there, but also detecting the bad stuff. And then you put a little bit on your palate and just kind of feel it like balance back and walk around a little bit. Okay. Let's, let's do it. delicious that totally does have the popcorn note there too in the back for me anyway it's like
3: that salty yeah this is not a
1: this is not a note that i get in a lot of uh whiskeys and i had gotten that's really good i got most of the i picked up most of these whiskeys to to pair to your palate based on the uh preliminary things that you told me and you really didn't like sweet over sweet and you, there, what was the other thing you really didn't like that I brought up?
3: A... I don't like sweet, and I definitely don't like grapefruit.
1: Grapefruit, yeah. I asked about grapefruit.
3: Like honey, I hate to say I don't like honey because I do, but I just
1: no. The question was, do you like grapefruit and honey together? Yeah. Because there's a couple bourbons up there that have yeah. like a grapefruit honey. This is honey
3: delicious. Note.
1: So this is Old Fitzgerald, bottled bond. It's uh, 15 years old. It was released uh, last year, fall of last year. Oh, uh, it's a very nice bottle. Very nice. Hard
3: to get, but very, very yummy. So, how much is like a glass of this?
1: Oh, you know, it should be about twenty five dollars. Okay. You know, but some people will price gouge it to a hundred. You know. Solid. Never, never underestimate a um, uh, um, company's ability to price gouge. Now, because you did like the flavor uh, deal, that bottle there on the far left. That one there has a has a nice little deal Ooh, note in there. Oh, and it's wild turkey. And so does uh, the other one next to it, Old Forester.
3: I just love the branding and the artwork of this one.
1: Yeah, so this is a limited edition uh, release. This is their uh, revival to rye finished in a just sherry cask. Um, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a bourbon finished in a sherry cask, not rye but they're, they've got it's got like a it's got like a lot of like uh and uh, earthy notes. Um mm-hmm. uh, and the one next to it and so it does have a hint of dill in it and then the one right next to it there the old forester yeah that also has uh a dill a dill note to it.
3: This is good for me because you know I like to put different alcohol names in my songs, you know. Cause oh. We've we've worn out, you know, a lot of Jack Daniels, for example. Like, do
1: you have to like get a license from people for no.
3: that? But like Wild Turkey, that's a, you know, that's pretty awesome. Old Forester, I've never heard that in a song.
1: <laughs> it needs to. I've, yeah, uh, in a song. you know, I'm down on my luck. Old Forrester's in my cup, uh, you know.
3: Dude. Yes. Maybe. Op- opening line right there. I, times are th- tough.
1: Times are tough. <laughs> my dog died. <laughs> yes. My wife left me i
3: don't know (laughs) you're on a roll
1: ah listen to enough country music (laughs) i just need to get a tractor and a truck in there and i'm good
3: Mm. all
1: right give me another note that you really want to taste
3: but i really like your questions
1: you like me doing the questions okay um what is something that um what's an alcohol you can't you can't drink because uh, college or something.
3: Okay, yeah. Yeah. Southern comfort.
1: Okay. Interesting.
3: Twenty first birthday.
1: Too much Southern Comfort. I was
3: on stage and everyone knew it was my twenty first birthday. And I am a diehard Janis Joplin fan.
1: Yes. She was a whiskey had, fan too. By and the way.
3: had uh been, you know learning all her music, singing her songs. And I had my velvet, bell bottom pants on that night. Nice. And I felt like I was in the full Janis Joplin mode, Mm -hmm. which meant I needed to drink Southern Comfort, which was her drink.
1: That's right.
3: So I didn't really realize the power of Southern Comfort. And um, let's just say I wound up in my car in the parking lot the next day I mean, thank goodness nothing happened to me, but that was the last time I'll ever drink Southern Comfort. And really, I don't drink much on stage because of that night, because I truly don't remember like shutting down the band, like, like, what was my last song? Like, how'd I get out of there? Like, it's crazy.
1: It's everybody has like their own protocol. And, And I've talked to a lot of musicians. Some like to drink beforehand, some like to drink after. Some drink so much they have to go sober, or they're just yeah. it's over for them, you know. So, um, I'm glad that you found out early on. You, you know. Yeah, I'm a, thing. I'm
3: a, I'm a kind of a nurse of beer mm-hmm. through the set first, like maybe sip on a glass of wine and then drink after the gig. Okay, but I can have it on stage, just kind of sip on. But I like to be too much into con- my, in control of my. <laughs> guitar
1: playing really and my singing. So let me, I'm going to go down some, um, down some flavors. Okay. Um, do you like, um, maple syrup or molasses more? Molasses. Okay. Okay. So this won my American whiskey of the year for 2019. And we're going to kill it together.
3: <laughs> Let's kill it together. Cheers. Cheers to Janice.
1: Yes. She was amazing.
3: Mm. Wow. Yeah, oh, yes. I taste. Mm-hmm. So much going on in this. Yeah. I taste the molasses. Mm. That is so good.
1: That's King of Kentucky. I just
3: wonder if all your listeners right now, like, are they drinking with you? Like, are they um, drinking with us right now?
1: Well, very rare, very unlikely chance that they can get this bottle. <laughs> they can I get wish a bottle. They
3: could so they could taste what uh, we just had.
1: I know it's sometimes you know I do I do taste a lot of stuff that everybody can get, but uh, like that Old Forester rye right there, that is like. That's my everyday, like, yeah. That's like one of my favorite everyday whiskeys. It's made actually by the same people who make this. It's that Brown King Forman. of Kentucky is.
3: That's another one's gonna have to go in a song. Mm-hmm.
1: When she left me, I knew I had to reach for the King, the he, King of Kentucky. Only the King would do. And then, then I met him.
3: <laughs> yeah. Man, that's good.
1: All right, now my, uh, I've always, mm. I've always wanted to gamble in uh, songwriting because I've written seven books, and it, I can't, know, uh, yeah, I don't know how many more books I got in me, but I do like to sing in the shower. I cannot sing a lick, and I can't play any instruments, but by God, I can write.
3: <laughs> hey, be a songwriter.
1: How is it? What? What is the? Um, what is the? Like I hear songwriters talk a lot about like, there's all kinds of drafts, they go back and forth. Like do you write the lyrics first and then think of the music that goes with it? Or do you like uh, have a like a sound in mind and then you put the words to it? I don't, How's that yeah, work?
3: Yeah, I think every songwriter is definitely different in that. I would call myself a chameleon. So like for example, the climb, that melody came to me in the car on the way to work. And I had no idea what it meant Or what it was about And so You know You find the words To go with the music I Drive Your Truck Though Totally Lyric li- It was literally a lyric You know Just fifty. You know mm-hmm. 89 cents in the ashtray Half empty bottle of Gay red wick We just had all this written out And then we had to find music To go for it um, So A lot of times A song idea Will just tell you What it wants to be like You'll mm-hmm. just start singing Like let's say you have a title And you're like Gosh, it just feels right. Or I can, you could give me a title or a word, and I could just sing how that makes me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are quite a few drafts to answer your question about that. It's like there's been times that you might might edit a song two different writing sessions. I drive your truck. Took I think two for sure co-writes for us to get it finished. But then there's songs that you really you, know, you can write in like an hour and a half, and it's over. And, and people are like, how did you write that an hour and a half? And a lot of it is just craftsmanship because we do it every day we're just you just get good at it's just like building cabinets or any other job you know you just get good at it but there's sometimes that songs just come out because they want to be written yeah so it's just every song's different
1: well that's that's awesome uh my brother is a guitarist he got all the musical talents of our family (laughs) i got none actually he says i have a really good offbeat whatever that means. Is that a thing? I don't know. I think that might be his way of saying (laughs) I have no beat, but offbeat. I like it. (laughs) You got a good offbeat. Yeah. I got a good offbeat, which means I have no beat, but (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I feel like, uh, I feel like we could drink bourbon for for a while and, and solve the world's problems and um, just cheers to you and for, for having the, the guts to come out, and like release an album yeah. that kicks some ass. Thank you. You, uh, mama, mama's mama got a drink, drink.
3: Mama's drinking. Mama's, mama's drink. drinking. Yep. So
1: cheers. Cheers. And thanks again for Thank coming
3: you. on the show. Cheers. Cheers. Clean, clean, that kitchen. Wipe tears.
1: Jesse a great guest. Think about, think about all the, the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into, in the guts it takes uh, to make it in Nashville. There's a story that was done on Jessie a few years ago about how she kept failing and failing and failing until finally she made it. Um, and she's just one of those people who you just you just root for. And so when Rolling Stones named her one of her songs to be one of the most must listen to songs um, in country right now you know that's pretty exciting it's pretty exciting to see a woman who's who's you know fought and clawed uh, as a songwriter you know kind of come out with with an album and really just crush it and so the answer to the uh trivia question is what uh what singer uh songwriter in country just launched a whiskey the answer to that is john rich john rich uh launched a brand called Redneck Riviera and it's a partnership with Eastside Distilling so John Rich is one of these kind of polarizing um, when he's polarizing country stars he's like super super country and you know he just kind of that (laughs) he reminds me honestly he reminds me of this guy I grew up around um, in Oklahoma we called him Tex and he would—he uh, was just a big old stout guy, and he he shooed horses for a living. So like his job was to go around, go around the state and uh, port, put horseshoes on on horses. And that guy got kicked about three times a day. So I don't know if that means he was a good—he was good at what he did or not very good. So I've uh, got a little bit of listener feedback for you. But first, a word from our sponsors.
0: 291 Colorado Whiskey aims to create a -a one-of-a-kind, bold, and beautiful Colorado whiskey. Rugged, refined, rebellious. Distillery 291 is an award-winning small-batch whiskey distillery located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak. Owner and founding distiller Michael Myers grew up on family farms in Georgia and Tennessee across a countryside defined by rolling hills, horses, and whiskey. He set out to create a flagship whiskey that evoked the Wild West. A cowboy walking into a bar saying, Give me a whiskey! And the bartender slamming down a bottle. A bottle of 291 Colorado Whiskey. Find a bottle near you at 291 coloradowhiskeycom Write it like you stole it, drink it like you own it, live fast, drink responsibly.
1: So today I'm going to go to Twitter and read you some, some comments. We're kind of in this like new norm, right? Uh, and at the time that I'm recording this, I can go out to a store and buy something. I don't know what it's going to be like when you listen to it. But anytime, I, the, the actions of living right now to go get things... It's just really, really weird. I mean, you're walking around stores and you're trying to stay six feet away from someone. You see one of your really good friends and you normally go up and slap him on the back and say, what's up? Uh, So last week was my wife's birthday, actually. And I, you know, well, you know, I always like to do something special on her birthday. So uh, it was my turn to make dinner. And this is, I, I tweeted this, um, I just got my wife a birthday cake and necessities, you know, parenthetical groceries. You know, I didn't want to be judged there for going out. Used doggy waste bags to push my cart. That's true. I like I put dog bags around my around my hands and pushed the cart. Wiped everything down before I touched, and I'm about to change my clothes. Hello, new shopping routine. So Python DS says, uh, "Welcome to the new norm." I am Legend uh, wrote. Don't forget to shower. And uh, there was a a funny meme of an Everclear chamber of a guy in a yellow suit getting sprayed down with a bunch of stuff. Uh, Whiskey Daddy writes, Life hack, an ascot works better than a surgical mask in preventing COVID-19 from being inhaled. I wish that were true. I'd I'd be in good luck. Ed Bly writes, I added a Ziploc bag of rubber gloves to my car for gas... And grocery pickups because ew. And Dulcia, Carol, Dulcia. I hope you're well. Till Dave, I said hi. She says, "Stay safe." Hugs to the family. Heart, heart. Yeah, and that's really everybody out there. Stay safe. This is, we're gonna get through this. Everything's gonna be fine. You know, I think economically is where we're really going to see the, the the greatest. we're gonna feel the greatest pressure from an economic perspective. All of us are, and so we got to band together. We got to work together. We got to help one another, and let's follow the guidelines that our leaders are putting out there for us to follow. Because I do think they are genuine, and I think uh, they're meant to be to protect us. So let's let's hope let's hope that in two weeks' time we look back on the coronavirus as a you know, it's in the rear view mirror and we're, we're moving ahead, but I'm going to keep plugging a lot of content out because of this. And it, I really am trying to put some stuff out there on YouTube, especially. So if you're not following me on YouTube, go over there, uh, search my name, Fred Minnick, and make sure you're following me on the Instagrams, the Twitters, the uh, Facebook. I'm just pumping stuff out as much as I possibly can And if you're uh, following me on Instagram, you might see a story of me with my one-year-old, who's who's a real joy to be with. That is is one of the things that I kind of like about this. I get to spend more time with my kids. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. If you haven't yet, please press that subscribe button. Give us a rating. um, Tell your friends about us. We're still a new podcast. And look, we're doing really well. Uh, We're ranked in all the categories that we're a part of. But... The fact is, is it's still new and there's still a lot of people who need to be listening to this and they're not. So tell your friends. And I tell you what, if you, if you tag me, let's do this. If you tag, if you tell a friend and you tag me on Twitter or whatever social media that you use, I will mail you a Fred Minnick Show sticker. So get get on it, get out there, tell your friends And let's get some new listeners here to the Fred Minnick Show. And I cannot wait to talk with you again next week. Have a safe, 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 and healthy seven days. Until next time, I'll see you later.
0: You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by Beeline. Visit SippingPoint.com by Michter's American Whiskies, and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. For more information on this podcast and all things Fred, just go to fredminnick.com.